What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 21 of The Deep Ball. I'm your host, Anthony Palolo, and I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. Corey, how's it going today? It's going pretty good. Yeah, just the start of March Madness, so yeah, I'm pretty excited, pretty hyped. Yeah, listen, two big college basketball guys, and this isn't a basketball podcast, so we'll definitely be uh, nose deep in these games today. You know, I mean, definitely excited. But before that, core, we got to talk our football. I mean, it was just a huge week in football, free agency week. A lot of action was going on. But before we even touch on the free agents and our free agent reactions, I think we got started off with kind of pretty big news. I think this is something that we all thought was going to happen ever since they lost that game to the Buccaneers in the playoffs. But it wasn't official until this past, I believe, Monday or Sunday around there. But Drew Brees officially retires from the NFL. Uh, he's going to go into broadcasting on NBC, sign that contract like last year whenever he retired. And uh, yeah, listen, Drew Brees, one of those quarterbacks that we kind of grew up with, um, with like Brady and Manning, uh, Roethlisberger, you know, the, uh, Eli Manning too, and Peyton, of course. But uh, yeah, listen, Drew Brees, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, I think he maybe gets much slander. I think some people maybe like don't appreciate him enough because like they might say that like, oh, he pads his numbers a lot. He's playing in a dome all of his career. But listen, I think you. You have the most passing yards in NFL history, the most completions, second in touchdowns. I know he might not hold the passing yards because Brady's right behind it. But listen, he's going to be in the record books for a long time. So hats off to Drew Brees on an absolutely outstanding career. You could argue, too, he's probably the most, probably the best free agent signing ever when the Saints signed him over from the uh, Los Angeles Chargers at the time. But yeah, Drew Brees took the Saints from a completely irrelevant franchise too. He won them a Super Bowl and he made them a title contender almost every single year. So hats off to Drew Brees. Definitely a guy who I'm gonna miss. Yeah, definitely great career for Drew Brees. Just disappointing. He he had to go out on such a low note against Tom Brady, but I think all football fans know how, how great Drew Brees was. I think I put him around maybe cracking top five just because I mean he. He's won one Super Bowl, but obviously his numbers are there. Most yards over five hundred, like 571 touchdowns. I mean, the guy is just great quarterback. Even he was just a great leader for that team, like you said. Just when he when he went to the Saints, he turned that team into like a title contender, like every single year, most of the years. Uh, but even though he didn't win, like to what he meant to the city and just to that team in general, yeah, just. Great career. Gonna definitely gonna miss seeing Drew Brees out there, number number nine. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh one thing I will say about like kind of where I like where I think Drew Brees like stands all time. I think I don't have like a specific not off the top of my head, but the only thing that I think does hold him back a little bit is he has one he does have the Super Bowl and he won the Super Bowl MVP. The only problem with Drew Brees, Drew Brees never won an MVP and he was only first team all pro at quarterback once. Obviously He's blocked by Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. So I don't think even behind those guys, like I don't think he's like you could say that he's past them. Obviously, Montana off the top of my head. So Marino, you could probably argue, but like again, that's gonna be an argument that you could say neck and neck with Breeze. Rogers, again, another guy. So I think, listen, I think we can all agree that Breeze he's gonna be a first ballot Hall of Famer. At least I hope he is. I mean, if he's not, that's disgusting. He's definitely gonna be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And uh yeah, I mean I, it sucks, too, because, like, the last four years, Drew Brees has really gotten screwed, if you ask me. First starting with the uh, – I think the first one was the Minneapolis Miracle. Then it was 
the pass interference no call. Then last year with the Vikings, and then um, obviously this past season with uh, losing that game to Tom Brady and the Bucks. So, I mean, four past four years, the Saints really seemed like they were this true Super Bowl contender, couldn't get over the hump. You would have loved to see Drew Brees go out on top because Drew Brees is one of those likable guys. That's like, it's like, how can you hate Drew Brees? You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely got a little screwed over. Just yeah, the Saints just couldn't get over the hump. But I mean, each game, despite the numbers, it was clear like he left everything on the line. So I mean, can't can't deny that. And you got to respect the guy for what he's done to the game. And it's basically. It's basically it. Just gotta gotta respect his greatness, and definitely gonna be a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I was going with that. He definitely will. There's no doubt about it. But I remember when they won the Super Bowl too. I had like that, uh, like that banner, like the Super Bowl banner, and it was like it ain't easy. Uh, like they, it was literally like it ain't easy being breezy. I know that's been like my fantasy team name a couple times. I've had Drew Brees. Drew Brees, one of my one of my favorite quarterbacks, like of my like the era that we grew up in, like kind of like the 2010, no doubt about it. I definitely would say I lean towards Drew Brees more than Tom Brady and like Peyton Manning. Maybe not Eli Manning. Eli Manning's my hometown boy, you know what I mean? But uh, moving on to kind of Drew Brees' next chapter in his life, Drew Brees will be on NBC Broadcasting uh, Football. And I think it's pretty cool, too. They said this year he's going to do the Notre Dame games, and I think there's potential for him to move into that Sunday night football role. So I think that's great. And especially seeing Tony Romo's success as from quarterback to broadcaster, I'm sure that Drew Brees is going to absolutely crush it as a analyst, probably with working with Al Michaels, unfortunately, maybe, or potentially uh, the other guy on NBC, uh, Mike Tirico. I think him and Tirico will probably end up uh, being like their own group and potentially maybe even Kong Sunday night football. So you're telling me Collinsworth is getting kicked out of here? I'm not saying I listen, I'm just speculating, but like Collinsworth and Michaels, like I feel like there's no way you could have like bring in yeah, you can't bring in Drew Brees without Michaels, you know what I mean? You can't kick Collinsworth to the curbs. I feel like you have to get a whole new group. Yeah, true. Not gonna lie. I, I don't know I don't I don't know how they're gonna do it. But I like I said, I know that they have like that other group like that does the Notre Dame games on Saturday, so it's Tariko and um Tony Dungy is in the booth. So I guess Tony poor Tony Dungy's probably getting removed from the booth, but Listen, Drew Brees, it's so early in Drew Brees. I remember ESPN was making a big play at Drew Brees last year because, like, uh, he was, like, in the market for what you want, for whenever he retired, where he would go broadcast, and ESPN wanted to bring him on because ESPN has desperately looked for somebody on Monday Night Football, and then they opted to go with that three-man booth. But I hope for the best for Drew Brees in his broadcasting career because, like I said, that's a guy who really hasn't failed at anything. So hopefully I doubt he's going to fail at broadcasting. He'll probably be a real good broadcaster. Yeah, definitely is knowledge of the game. Definitely could be good color commentator. But, yeah, I mean, they could definitely get alternate on Sunday night football games. So, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to hear the guy. I think he'd be uh, pretty good to listen to. I don't know if he's topping Tony Romo because Tony Romo's pretty elite at broadcasting. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, his knowledge of the game definitely would be pretty good. Yeah, no doubt about it. Like we both said, we're going to miss Drew Brees. Uh, New Orleans will miss Drew Brees, and yeah, and, and at the end of the road for one of the great ones. Always sad to see one of the great ones, and like Drew Brees, Drew Brees, one of those guys. You know what I mean? Kids in twenty years, they go, uh, what you call it? They ask you about some of the great guys that you watched when you were younger. I think Drew Brees is definitely on that list. So hats off to him. 
But uh, let's get into the second part of our show on the main part, our free agency recap. So, listen, on Monday at 12 o'clock, and people went crazy. Certain teams did a lot more than a lot of other teams. Core, I'll start with you first. Give me one of your big winners so far of free agency. Because, listen, free agency is still completely open, obviously. Listen, a lot of guys have signed, but we still got some big fish out there. But for right now, let's kind of, based off the signings that have already occurred, what are we watching, Carl? Where do you stand? Who, who are the big winners? I mean, it, it, this one's pretty obvious. I mean, you got to go Bill Belichick out here making moves. It's got to be the New England Patriots. I mean, I mean, re-signing Cam was, was a solid move. But, I mean, the weapons he brought in around him. He brought in two tight ends. I mean, he didn't bring in, no Kittle or Kelsey or Waller. But he brought in two top, top ten, top seven tight ends. Give him... Mm-hmm. A two tight end formation, Johnu Smith, Hunter Henry. He, he brought in a solid pass rusher, Matthew Judon. I mean, le- last week on the show wasn't exactly like gassing up Jalen Mills, but I mean, he's, he's, he's all right. It's a solid signing. Versatile. Yeah, he brought in Nelson Aguilar coming off a really good season. I mean, he just brought in a lot of players uh, on both sides. Resigned Kyle Van Noy that he had like two years ago or a year before we signed David Andrews four-year deal. I mean, yeah, I just think the Patriots are trying to get back. I think they see Tom Brady win a Super Bowl and they just want to get back to winning themselves. So yeah, definitely the Patriots were, were the big winners so far in free agency. Yeah. Listen, it was evident that clearly that Bill Belichick was pissed watching Tom Brady hoist the Lombardi and him not being next to him because let me tell you, this is just so, like, not Bill Belichick. Like, they were saying, I think this spending has almost, like, matched the spending of Belichick in the last decade or something like that by the Patriots. So it really goes to show you. But listen, I think everybody could have told you that the Patriots needed something like this because the Patriots, from a personnel standpoint, were just outmatched, especially on offense. I know they had a lot of opt-outs, too. But this was even what Bill Belichick was hinting towards at the end of last year. He knew that they needed to bring big guns in. And that's why he didn't want, he didn't like, and some people in the media were like, oh, he's just trying to make an excuse. But I mean, listen, he was missing six guys on his defense. His offense just wasn't it. Now he's got a lot of play. They got some playmakers on offense. I'm not going to say any of these guys are elite level playmakers, but I think Kendrick Bourne, Aguilar, Hunter Henry, and Johnu Smith is a great, like two wide receiver, two tight end uh, set. Where, and who's ever who's ever at running back? Obviously, they got a couple guys still um uh from last year's team. But yeah, listen, I, I, hard to argue against the Patriots. I don't think you can say. Um, I specifically was gonna mention Cam Newton as a winner. I thought Cam Newton comes back to New England, and he's probably gonna have I think his best chance now to succeed. And l- last year, kind of thrown into the fire with everything, he had to learn the offense. They kind of switched up the offense for him. Didn't look great throwing the ball. Kind of worries me as to, like, how effective he could really be. But, listen, now he's got two really good tight ends. He's got guys on the outside who can win one-on-one matchups. Still got Julian Edelman and Jacoby Myers coming back. I don't know how those guys now are going to be used a lot. But they, I'm sure they'll be used because they've still, they still got a lot of talent. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what Cam Newton can do. And I really think this is Cam Newton's now last shot. I think if Cam Newton falls on his face with kind of this roster – not trying to say that this, this his offensive skill group's amazing, but like he's I, I think now he's given the tools to succeed, and now he has to like kind of take like a step forward from where he was next year, last year. Excuse me. Now, yeah, I agree on that. Definitely, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, the Patriots brought in a lot of guys, but um, they didn't bring in, like, top, top-tier guys, but they did upgrade definitely. So I think Cam Newton definitely has to succeed if he wants, like, to stay in the league or definitely stay as a starter. But I honestly have one more winner. I'm going to go with the Washington football team, bringing in Ryan Fitzpatrick, maybe – I mean, this guy Fitzpatrick just goes team to team and then balls out when he's needed. And then they bring in Curtis Samuel, reunited with Terry McLaurin. I think that's um, that's that's a nice weapon they added. They didn't really have much weapons on the offensive side outside of McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. So I think to bring in Curtis Samuel as like a number two wide receiver, reuniting with his friend, bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick as a veteran presence. You still have Tyler Heineke, Taylor Heineke. If you want to draft a quarterback, too, I mean, I think Washington's definitely heading in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned, too, William Jackson, another guy who they brought in, cornerback uh, from Cincinnati. Real good. So, yeah, I had Washington. You kind of stole it right out of my mouth. I had Washington as one of my winners, too, of course. So, good to know that we're on the same page today. Um, But, yeah, listen, as a Giants fan, I don't love to see that. But three really good moves, if you ask me especially a team that's going to be contending for a playoff spot. Fitzpatrick, I think, was the right quarterback to go. I think Curtis Samuel is a dynamic playmaker. Uh, Reuniting with his old offensive coordinator from Carolina, which I think is a little interesting because I felt like Curtis Samuel first three years of his career was a little underused and maybe wasn't used correctly. Then he gets with Joe Brady in Carolina, and they seem like they did use him real well. And then he just goes back to the old system. But listen, they must have had a good plan in place. Obviously, Ron Rivera, I guess, really liked him. So... Good for Curtis Samuel. And, yeah, William Jackson, the hope is that he could step into that number one cornerback role, potentially guard Amari Cooper twice a year, maybe maybe Kenny Galladay twice a year if he ends up in the NFC East. Um, but, yeah, good moves by the Washington football team. Definitely something as a Giants fan that um, upsets, me, upsets me. I'm going to go to another positional group that I think all of these guys are winners of free agency, specifically pass rushers. Uh, Matthew Judon got a big contract. He got like four years for like $56 million. And then we got Trey Hendrickson, who got four years for $60 million. Uh, Carl Lawson, who got three years for $45 million. And Bud Dupree, who got like five years, 80-something million. Like, that, excluding Judon from that group. So we Lawson, Dupree, and Hendrickson. Those are three guys who are like, not like crazy well-known. I think Bud Dupree may be the most. Guys who could really get to the quarterback though. And these guys got handsomely paid. Hats off to them. And they did have a couple question marks. I know Carl Lawson has... A little bit of an injury history. Bud Dupree is coming off a torn ACL. So I think it's pretty impressive to see some of these guys get paid. Um, maybe without the necessarily the past or like maybe with some concerns, but based on um, what teams think they can develop to and how they can fit in their new scheme. Yeah, the pass rushers definitely did well getting, getting contracts themselves. I mean, just a team who definitely – kinda didn't do great in free agency so far. I mean Baltimore Ravens losing two pass rushers in Matthew mm-hmm. Judon and Yannick Ngakwe. I thought at least they would sign one of them back, but losing both of them definitely definitely pretty tough. But yeah, I don't know what you what you think on that. Yeah, yeah. I'll hold off on that just a second because I just want to get to my one last winner and then yeah, the Ravens um, losing both Judon and whatchamacallit, it's brutal. But I just want to mention the Bucks. I think the Bucks being able to obviously bring back Chris Godwin, this was a couple weeks ago, and then signing Shaq Barrett to that contract. It was like four for 72. I thought it was a steal of a contract. I think it's huge for them. Uh, They brought back Gronk. 
And I think really now the only pending free agent from last year, they brought back Levante David a couple weeks ago, but the only pending guy from last year's team, I think, is Sue and Fournette, which I mean, the, again, if you lose either one of those guys, Leonard Fournette started to really come on at the end of the year, but I feel like those guys are pretty replaceable compared to Godwin, Levante David, or um, Chris, uh, Godwin, Levante David, or Jack Barrett, excuse me. Oh, yeah, the Bucks. I mean, definitely have to be, definitely have to be a winner if you're bringing back most of your Super Bowl roster. I mean, yeah, they didn't bring back, they didn't re-sign Leonard Fournette yet, but yeah, definitely a running back's more replaceable than like Shaq, Shaq Barrett, Chris Godwin, even Gronk. So yeah, when when you bring back all those guys and you just won the Super Bowl, you, you don't have to go out and bring in big name free agents from other teams. You re-sign your top free agents that were maybe going to leave and you bring them back, I think, yeah, that's definitely a win. So, yeah, I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. Actually, there's one other team, too, that uh, or one other player. Patrick Mahomes, I think, was a winner of free agency, watching the Chiefs spend five years for $80 million on Joe Thune, which leads me to also to the question of, it just doesn't make sense to me how, like, the Giants specifically, because I'll follow the Giants more intensely than any other team, cannot have cap space for stuff. And the Kansas City Chiefs have Two defensive linemen who are making 15-plus a year. They have a quarterback who's making $40 million a year. They have Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill on big deals. It's like how do they have cap space to spend money on offensive linemen like this? And the Giants don't have anybody getting paid a lot of money besides Leonard Williams, and they can't find cap space. It just blows my mind how, like, some GMs are just this high, like, like the, the gap between general managers is crazy. Even the guy on the Saints, the GM on the Saints is a genius. He's signing Taysom Hill to a four-year, $140 million deal with all years voidable just so it could free up like $8 million in cap this year. Like that's just such an easy way to free up cap space when literally that contract now means absolutely nothing. It's just on paper. It's going to be one of the stupidest things ever because people are going to be like, oh, Taysom Hill, like – why did they pay Taysom that much? It doesn't matter. Just rip the damn contract up because he's never gonna. It's never gonna work. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I don't. I, I was a little confused on that contract. How, like, I, listen, it's just like I. I don't know exact the specifics, but I'm assuming that I know Taysom was on a one year deal, so obviously you can't move any money to past years. So what's probably gonna end up happening is Taysom Mills cap hit a little bit this year is probably gonna get now put to dead money next year because obviously they're not going to he's not going to play on that contract next year so if he leaves next year he'll probably have some dead money now on it so they were able to kind of like even out the cap space probably something too with like how much money he had to sign for which you can move x amount of I, I don't know exactly the specifics i just know that whatever he did the guy saved eight million dollars in cap and Taysom Hill will never ever see a 140 million dollar paycheck so that's that i guess this uh Saints GM's playing chess while everyone else is playing, playing checkers. That's kind of that's even kind the of, Rams. I'm so, I'm sorry to cut you off. The Rams they, signed Leonard Floyd for sixty four million dollars. It's like how they have no money. <laughs> nah, yeah, I don't really get the whole cap space situation. But all the Giants are able to do is bring in Leonard Williams for three years, sixty three mil. So I mean, yeah, I, it kind of confusing, kind of kind of weird I, i'm not i kind of just don't a little confusing how the whole cap space thing works but yeah i don't get how some teams have money like that and some just like don't the cap in 
very difficult to understand. I barely understand it. It, it, it because I it's hard to understand because how like just look look at the evidence. It's impossible. But at, that's for so losers are pe- so getting into losers of free agency. One of the losers is the casual person just trying to understand the salary cap because that can't happen. But uh, moving on to some other losers, Corey. I got a couple. I got a couple interesting ones. First, our predictions. Corey, so far, 0 for 6, I'm <laughs> 2 for 8. This is just, listen, we didn't think we were going to be um, perfect. We said if we we said if we hit, if we go 6 for 18, we have a chance. We need to hit every single prediction left to go 6 for 18. Um, I, listen, I think a couple of mine, I kind of got shafted a little bit. Like Yannick Nagakwe, I think Corey, me and Corey, not, like Yannick Nagakwe and Matthew Judon, both not going back to Baltimore. I think that was a tough miss. John Johnson really thought he was a good fit in Jacksonville. Will Fuller thought thought Indy would call his name. But listen, at the end of the day, Corey, we said this. We don't hold the crystal ball, but yeah, definitely a loser in this. Our predictions. Oh, so far it's it's been brutal. I thought thought I, I really thought Marlon Mack was gonna go to the Jets and he just goes back to the Colts. Patrick Peterson, I kinda liked it. Like everything was telling me, like this guy could really sign with Kansas City Chiefs and he goes to the Vikings. I mean, the ba- the the Ravens are currently eyeing Kenny Galladay, so hopefully I can get on the board with that. But yeah, it's it's been rough. I I've been striking out left and right. At least you've hit on two. I'm still searching for my first one, but hopefully I get on the board. And yeah, I mean, it, you know, this is like you said, this is like baseball. I mean, we weren't supposed to go. Six, seven for nine. So I mean, if we could, we could somehow pull five or five out of these last six, or even somehow go six for six on these last, I doubt it. But you know, I mean, still a chance for us having a solid free agency prediction. But right now, it's looking it's looking kind of slow. Yeah, listen, free agency might have had us, but I bet you, come NFL draft time, we'll probably do uh, like a mock draft and like a prediction for that. So we'll, we'll try to get some revenge. Uh, Another loser core that I had, I don't know if you heard about Michael Brockers. You know, you know the story of Michael Brockers? Nah, I know he went to the Lions. But all right, so Michael Brockers a couple weeks ago, when the Lions traded Stafford to the Rams, he was like, "Yeah, Matt Stafford's a big upgrade over what we just had in Jared Goff. Like, not like this solidifies us as like a real contender now." And he tried. He, then the Rams this past week call him in. They're like, "Yo, Michael, why don't you um?" Take a pay cut. Michael Brock is like, no, I'm not taking a pay cut because obviously the Rams need money. And, yeah, they were like, all right, well, since I couldn't agree to a pay cut, they're like, all right, then we're trading you. They traded him for a third round, for a seventh-round pick in, like, three years from now. And they specific I, – I don't know if they did it out of spite. Probably not. But they literally traded him to the Lions, and now he has to go with Jared Goff. And he has to go explain himself about um what he said about his comments that – Matt Stafford was such an upgrade over Jared Goff. Definitely a tough situation to go into for poor Brockers. Dude, that's brutal. I didn't I didn't even know that he said that. I knew he went to the Lions, but mm-hmm. for for a seventh round pick? In three years, 2020, 2024 seventh rounder. Or 2023 seventh rounder in three drafts now. Wow, they're really acting like this guy is just no value. I mean, at the end of the day. That's kind of a steal for the Lions for a seventh round pick in mm-hmm. three years. I mean, if I'm Michael Brockers right now, I gotta be having like a huge chip on my shoulder. I'm going to apologize, Jared Goff, right now. But that is really tough going from the 
the Rams to the Lions just like that. Yeah, that's I didn't even know about that. That's that is absolutely brutal. Yeah, definitely tough. But a move, a move that the Rams kind of like were, they're probably going to cut them anyway. So I wasn't I'm not too surprised that they didn't get any crazy compensation back from. But yeah, Michael Brockers definitely a solid player. So hopefully he can figure out his problems in uh, in Detroit. But core, let me hear you. Who's one of your losers in free agency? Yeah, I said a little, sort of like a few minutes ago, but yeah, I think the Baltimore Ravens not signing Ngakwe or Matthew Judon is, is is pretty tough. I mean, I think not bringing back either one of them is just not not a great look. I mean, a lot of teams in the AFC are are kind of are improving. I mean, the Chiefs are already at the top. The, the Dolphins are bringing in Will Fuller. The Bills are bringing in uh, Emmanuel Sanders. They're like Other teams are upgrading while the Ravens are losing both their defensive ends, and I really haven't seen any type of moves that the, the Ravens are making. So, I mean, they're coming off an exit in the, in the divisional round. So, yeah, I think the Ravens right now are not, are not doing too well. But if they sign Kenny Galladay, I mean, that'll, be a, that'll upgrade the – the free agency period for them but yeah right now i think they're a loser yeah listen this is a pivotal offseason for the ravens this, this is jackson going into his fourth year so you got to pay him next year next year is cap spike so i mean this is like your last really like your best chance to put like r- some players around them and then you're gonna have to lose some so losing both your pass rushers not bringing in a wide receiver i mean listen there's still a couple of receivers out there still got who they're interested in Juju, I think, who's a good fit in Baltimore, still there. But I, I, as good of a fit as Juju is in Baltimore, you really think Juju then could go from playing in Pittsburgh to playing in Baltimore? No, I, I don't see any chance of him going from the Steelers to the Ravens, especially how much he like loves Pittsburgh. I, I don't, I don't think he's going to Baltimore. Yeah, listen, fun fact though, Juju Smith-Schuster did buy a boat last year, so. Just to use that with a grain of salt. I don't think he's staying in what you want. You might want to go into put that thing into the Atlantic. You know what I mean? Go to the coast. Go to the parking. Go to Baltimore. But um, moving on to another loser. Obviously, I think the Ravens were a loser. Going on to another our team actually that I thought was a loser. The Las Vegas Raiders. I don't know what the Raiders are doing. I'll just put it out there. They cut uh Rodney Hut. Oh, excuse me. They end up trading Rodney Hudson. They cut. Richie Incognito would end up bringing back, but they cut Gabe Jackson too. They cut another offensive lineman, and then what? Like, what do they do? They bring in like Kenyon Drake on a two-year, fourteen million dollar deal. You guys just drafted Josh Jacobs a couple years ago in the first round. Why on earth are you paying seven million dollars for a backup running back when? You're, and you're cutting offensive linemen who are going to block for your star running back, and you're now Kenyon Drake as your running back. Like, I just don't know what is going on in Las Vegas. I thought they made a good signing with Yannick Ngakwe, but, I mean, they need so much more help on defense. Their defense was atrocious this past year. Listen, I love John Gruden. I love Mike Mayock, too. So the Raiders definitely like a team that, like, they're front, like they're one of my favorite, like, pairings, head coach, uh, GM, but... They have, they honestly, they, they have made some questionable moves that maybe I haven't like criticized them enough for because it's, it's like, yo, what are you, what are you doing, Corey? Nah, yeah, I agree with that. Definitely cutting offensive linemen and bringing in another running back when you thought you had your running back of the future, probably not the smartest idea. I mean, 
they did sign John Brown to a kind of cheap contract. I kind of like that move. That was a good. That was a good signing. That was yeah. actually a good signing. I thought I like that, that. Was a solid move, but I mean, the Chicago Bears having a little bit. Bears fans probably kind of disappointed. I mean, bringing in Andy Dalton, just I don't know. I mean, at this point, if you're gonna bring in Andy, unless they're gonna draft a quarterback. Which I hope they do, because if, if you're planning on having Andy Dalton as your starting quarterback, you might as well have re-signed Mitch Trubisky, who's now going to be a backup in in Buffalo. So I, I think and the Bears, if they don't draft a quarterback, this is right now definitely looking like a little bit of a head scratching free agency for them. Yeah, before I t- again, before I touch on the Bears, because uh, I just want to mention you kind of mentioned Trubisky too. I think Trubisky is one of my losers of free agency. I think. And maybe not like necessarily he's going to that bad of a situation in Buffalo because Buffalo clearly was able to develop Josh Allen into what he is. And he probably wouldn't have been able to become this perennial MVP candidate that Allen should become in these next couple of years because of Buffalo's coaching staff. So hopefully they can kind of do the same with Trubisky. The only thing that scares me is that is Trubisky really going to get any game time action? And then like, so how does he go from this, like, from sitting on the bench this year to that next offseason getting a contract to take to like somebody taking a chance on him as a starter. I'm not entirely sure. I think maybe I think Trubisky's kind of I think he maybe deserves a starting spot. Listen, maybe I'm a lot higher on Mitch Trubisky than other people, but I see the athleticism there. I see like the raw talent. Listen, Trubisky was only a one year starter at the University of North Carolina. He goes into a bad situation in Chicago. Listen, Chicago's also not the easiest place to play quarterback. It's freezing cold and gusting wins all the time you know what I mean so not the easiest place but I definitely feel bad for Mitch Trubisky but poor let's move on to the Bears and kind of listen I had I have it written down like we say the Browns are the Browns but the Bears are the Bears man like they just what a couple weeks ago it seemed like the Bears and Russell Wilson was actually like a reality like the Bears could actually go for Russell Wilson and then to fall back on Andy Dalton has to be tough on the fan base but I'll start with the Russell Wilson trade like first like Corey, they were willing to give up three firsts, a third, and two veteran players. One of the veteran players probably probably was Kyle Fuller, who just got cut because he has a big cap hit. Uh, I don't know who the other one was. But, I mean, if you're Seattle, do you think Seattle made the right choice turning down that trade? Three firsts, a third-round pick, Kyle Fuller, and another veteran player for Russell Wilson. I mean, that's a lot, but I mean, Russell Wilson is just – just an elite quarterback so I mean I don't blame I'm not gonna say the Seahawks made the wrong move I know they haven't really done much in the playoffs but with Russell Wilson on that team he gives them a chance year in year out to potentially make a run in the playoffs despite them not doing it so I still think the, the Seahawks are looking at their team and and seeing they have a talented roster and seeing yeah we could potentially still make a run in the playoffs even though they haven't I mean all it takes is one one run in one year so I I don't blame the the Seahawks for for not doing that it was not like they weren't getting a quarterback in return so I mean I think the I think the Seahawks did the right thing yeah no doubt about it I definitely think Seattle should not have moved on for Russell's and specifically with this package because again yeah if you're gonna get like you're not getting if you're going to get three first for Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson's probably now going to lead the Bears, at least going to be good enough for the playoffs. 
So that first-round pick isn't going to be in the top 20. The first-round pick this year is the 20th pick. So you're never going to have that premier pick that you could take a future franchise quarterback. You're not like – unless you want to take an absolute flyer on a guy, maybe you take a flyer on Sam Darnold. Like it just doesn't make sense there for Seattle to move off Russell Wilson and then not have their quarterback – like their next quarterback in um like in the wings. So I think that was a very good move by Seattle. I mean, I don't really think it took that much. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know why Seattle was really entertaining it. I guess maybe if the relationship was a lot worse than it appears to the public, then you got to think about trading him. But I think they should do however, whatever it takes to not trade him. Listen, they did make a couple good moves, Seattle, too. They brought in Gerald Everett and they brought in Gabe Jackson. So at least they're trying to show Russell Wilson that, hey, look, our relationship might not be great right now, but we're trying to fix it. And I think Russell Wilson can appreciate that. And that's something that a lot of other teams maybe don't. Like, dude, like when Tom Brady was on the outs in New England, it was like Tom Brady knew that they needed to bring in a receiver so bad. And Bill Belichick just like kind of like batted an eye to it. Like he's like, yeah, whatever, like deal with it. You know what I mean? So I think that's good that they're bringing in guys to try to help Russell Wilson to kind of also just reassure that like, look, Russ, you're our guy. Obviously, we're going to ride with you to the end. And yeah, but moving on more to the Bears, what happened? Court, Andy Dalton, why, why pay Andy Dalton $10 million when you have Nick Foles, man? Like, that's just, like, so head-scratching. Like, the Bears are afraid to completely fall on their face. Like, the Bears know by signing Andy Dalton they won't be a laughing stock next year, but they're still in a 17-game season that we'll have. They'll probably only go 7-10, and 10, like, maybe 8-9, and nine, which sounds so weird to say, by the way. But, like, take the chance on a younger quarter. Take a chance on a Mariota. Take your chance on Sam Darnold. Take your chance and pay, offer a bigger deal to Jameis Winston. It just blows my mind that Ryan Nagy, uh, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy can put their jobs on the line. They have one year both left on their contract in the hands of Andy Dalton. When, again, you have Nick Foles on the roster, who's very similar, like a similar style quarterback to Andy Dalton. It makes no sense, if you ask me. Yeah, it definitely makes no sense. I mean, you're going to sign Andy Dalton for 10 mil. You, you might as well just start Nick Foles. He's on the team. There's not that much of a difference. If they both start the whole season, you're probably not going to see that much of a difference in the team's success. So, yeah, I kind of I kind of think the Bears, I don't know what they're doing. Bringing in Andy Dalton, he didn't really show much in, in, in Dallas this year. It's not like he, he carried that team when Dak went down. In fact, in the, in the beginning, Andy Dalton looked – pretty horrendous i mean i just don't he, he came on a little bit at the end but i just yeah definitely another head scratcher for the bears like you said i would definitely take a chance maybe on a younger guy i don't know if the, the jets maybe they won maybe they tried but just didn't work out with sam donald but andy dalton at this stage another kind of journeyman it's just it's just not a great move i mean ryan fitzpatrick is, is also a journeyman but i think at this point obviously ryan fitzpatrick is better then Andy Dalton, he does more. So I think just signing Andy Dalton, another another head scratcher from the Bears. Yeah, if I was the Bears, I would have definitely taken my chance with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I honestly would have ran it back with Trubisky over Andy Dalton. And it's not maybe mm-hmm. not necessarily saying that Andy Dalton is better than Fitzpatrick or is worse than Fitzpatrick and Trubisky. What what the Bears need, they are better than him. Andy Dalton is not what the Bears need. The Bears saw what happened when you put like in a mobile quarterback in their system with Nick Foles. He they he did not play well. I mean, 
they don't have a crazy skill group. They have Allen Robinson, obviously still. Darnell Mooney's is up and comer. They don't really have anybody at tight end. I don't think they re-signed Jimmy Graham. I, I, I think he's a free agent. But David Montgomery is that good, but he's not he's not this again, he's not an elite level running back. So their offensive line isn't great. So they need somebody on a quarterback, like which is why they were so big on Russell Wilson, probably bigging on Deshaun Watson, but obviously Deshaun Watson will never go there after what they did to him in the draft. Like they need one of those playmakers at quarterback. Be interesting to see if they can move up in the draft because I think like I think even though that you just paid Andy Dalton, I think the Bears should be on the phone and trying to move up for a quarterback, maybe a Trey Lance, maybe a Justin Fields. I don't even think like a Mac Jones. I don't even think you make a play on Mac Jones because again, I think if you get Mac Jones, I think Mac Jones is going to be better than both the two. But I don't think Mac Jones is going to be this elite like playmaker from the quarterback position. I think again, I would, I try to say like there's like some quarterbacks are improvisers, some quarterbacks are executors. Like Tua more the executor way, where like Herbert I think is more of that like um, improviser guy. So I think. Mac Jones falls onto more of that um, executor type of quarterback. So I don't necessarily think that he'd be a perfect fit for the Bears. But even if they brought him in, at least it might extend them time, Matt, uh, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. Because in your your last year as a head coach and a GM, before, and then you got to maybe potentially like wait another year to get a job. Like I think it's just like you're going to have a long time and take a hard look at yourself in the mirror if you went down swing with Andy Dalton. Take the chance on Mariota. I, I just don't get it. Like you, like, I don't get it. You know that you're going to fail with Andy Dalton if you ask me. There's no way if you ask me the Bears win a playoff game next year. No chance if Andy Dalton's that quarterback. Yeah, definitely. Signing, having Andy Dalton as your quarterback, the best you're going to be is, is mediocre. I'd personally rather have a, like a – I'd personally have like a young quarterback who you think could potentially be – your your franchise quarterback let him start maybe you go I don't know five and eleven but at least you see like progress made and you build off that you have Andy Dalton maybe you go seven and nine or eight and eight maybe whatever it is but I mean it's what they did this year they snuck into the playoffs they put a pretty terrible offensive show in the Nickelodeon game against the Saints like <laughs> they're just like they they they're building for like mediocrity right now unless they draft someone in the in the in the draft but right now definitely settling for mediocrity at best in my opinion yeah and listen the sea of mediocrity like you know what i mean like like it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter if you ask me if the bears are a game under 500 or if the bears win three games like i think either way the head coach and the gm aren't getting extended so at least take the chance you know what i mean like take Mm -hmm. the chance with Trey Lance catching lightning in a bottle his first year that he comes on and he's going to run like crazy. Take the chance that a guy like Mariota revives his career and can elevate your offense and maybe gives some flashes to what he was when he's coming out of school. Take the chance on Sam Darnold that he can, whatchamacallit, that just don't die with Andy Dalton. That's that's what I think. I just I don't like that thinking of philosophy in football. Like I don't like making a move that like you think that like makes you a little bit better but it doesn't make you like significant. Like that, that's a that's a move that makes you a little better today, but it doesn't at all change your outlook on like your Super Bowl playoff outlook. I think it doesn't. And that maybe buys you an, another regular season win, Andy Dalton, over um, Nick Foles. Which again, regular season wins are good for your fans, are good for ticket sales, but regular season wins are not good if you're like like winning one extra regular season game 
then the season before isn't anything special unless that's the last game of the season that's the Super Bowl. Like it just it I, I don't know. I'd rather if I I'd rather fall on my face, go two and fourteen, and no, look, I took a swing and a miss. If it hit, I would have been great. But you know what I mean? I went down I went down with the fight. You can't go down without a fight. You can't go down with Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just can't but, I agree more. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, and then listen, Kyle Fuller gets caught, so now your defense isn't as good too. They're telling Akeem Hicks that he can go reach out and hear trade offers. So I don't know what's going on with the Bears. Bears, they, a couple years ago, they dealt for Khalil Mack. They gave him a whole lot of money, and then they gave the Raiders two first-round picks, which, of course, the Raiders botched those two first-round picks. But that's besides the point. So it'd be, I think it'd be a sour note if the Bears walk away from like this, this team, this Khalil Mack team that they kind of built and doesn't – and don't really have anything to show for it. I don't even think – did they win a playoff game a couple years? No, they lost no, a playoff lost game the because, guys, because the guy hit the watch call. The guy hit the upright. Yep. You're going to walk away without a, playoff, uh, without a playoff win. And really one playoff appearance. Last year was a fake playoff appearance, if you ask me, for the Bears. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, yeah. But enough with the Bears. Uh, Core, you got anything else? Is there anything else you want to mention? No, not really. Just um... – some 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 big free agency names still out there. Kenny Galladay, Juju, Juju. Just yeah, wait to see where the chips fall and uh, maybe they sign soon. And we'll talk about that on the next episode if if they do sign. Yeah, listen. Hopefully they sign. They'll give us something else again to talk about. Whatever we figure out. Uh, one last thing I want to just mention. I didn't mention the free agency thing. Two guys core got paid pretty handsomely this past week. Got to tip your caps to them. Leonard Williams got a big deal from the New York Giants. He had all the leverage in the world on them. Gets three years, 65, uh, $63 million. Another guy, good story, Trent Williams. Uh, I don't know how, like, the, the way the contract structure, maybe it won't be the all six years will be there, but six years, $138 million, becomes the highest paid offensive lineman. Listen, Trent Williams had a bad relationship with um, Washington. Then he had to, like, sit out a year for something, but – Went to San Francisco last year, played some of the best football of his life, and got rewarded handsomely. So yeah, hats off to both those team, uh, both those players for getting those contracts done. And yeah, I think next week we're gonna start shifting. We'll obviously recap more free agency, but we're gonna start shifting more into our draft preparation and our draft prep. Got a couple good ideas too for our potential mock draft. Bring a bunch of people on and kind of have this like cool like multi-person snake draft. But we'll get we'll get to that and then. But uh, besides that. Uh, Take care, everybody. Have a good one and enjoy some March Madness.